hey, hey, what is up, guys? <clears throat> Welcome back. I don't know how I'm going to decide to do this as far as editing goes. Um, I'm looking at the clock now, and I've been talking to my, my microphone for uh, an hour and 11 minutes, which means I'm probably going to split this up <laughs> into like three pods and uh, release it over the weekend over the next uh, few days. Uh, cause I don't think you want to listen to me for an hour and 45 minutes straight. I think, uh, realistically 20 or 30 minutes of me at a time is probably about all that you can handle. I don't know how many people you can listen to for, uh, you know, two, two straight hours, uh, you know, me yelling into your earbuds. Uh, but yeah, it, it takes a, a special kind of person for you to actually tolerate listening to them for an hour and a half straight. So if you are, I extra appreciate you. And uh, if you're just listening to this a little bit at a time, I totally understand that as well. Um, but you know what? We're in the mood. We're sitting here in front of the mic and uh, we got a draft to prep for. So real quick, I kind of just want to talk a little bit about my general overview and thoughts on the draft in terms of how I'm approaching it, um, what the needs are for the team, positions, uh, where we're picking in the draft, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think first thing we should do is we should probably look at where are we picking? Like, what are our draft picks? Now, the good news is, is that the 49ers have a lot of draft picks. Um, the bad news is that our first pick isn't like a hundred. <laughs> oh, let me see here. I think our very first pick is actually pick 99. Yeah, there we go. Cool. So, and I'm not going to go through and be like, oh, this is a comp pick. This is a trade pick. This is a trade pick. This is a comp pick because it's, it doesn't matter either way. Um, so day one is going to be boring. Nothing is probably going to happen on day one of the draft, the first round, just like last year, especially because we don't have a potential trade looming uh, like we did. Um, however, day two uh, might get interesting. We do have three compensatory picks. All three of them are from the uh, uh, minority coaching hires uh, that we've lost. Uh, so that's cool. They're at the end of the third round, but you never know. I, one thing that I've learned about Shanahan and Lynch is that I have no idea what they're going to do in the draft. <laughs> Cause you remember the first couple of years they were moving up, moving down, trading here, trading there, bouncing all around and everything. And it was like, Oh cool. So maybe they'll trade up and maybe they'll trade down and maybe they'll do this and they'll do that. And crazy stuff will happen. And then last year, they literally just used every pick they had when they had it, and they didn't make a single trade. Um, so who knows? Um, but they have a lot of draft capital. It's basically a lot of day three capital, I guess is probably the best way to put it, considering that our first pick is at 99, which, if you can count, is farther, or I guess a higher number than 32 times three. Um, so technically, technically these are late third round comp picks, but you could argue that these are basically fourth round picks 
or a day three pick. Um, so we have 10 picks in the draft, whole bunch of them. Basically what we're looking at, very first pick is pick 99. So we've got pick 99, um, pick 100, pick 101. Um, there might be another one squeezed in there. So maybe go 91, maybe we go 99, 101, 102, or we go 99, 100, 102, or 99, 101, 103. Um, but essentially you've got back to back to back picks at the end of the third round. So that's kind of what we're looking at. Uh, to start is you've got three potential picks as three late third round, early fourth round draft picks. The good news is you can get quality players at pick 100. There's a lot of very good players that get picked in the third, fourth, fifth round. We know how good Shanahan and Lynch are picking in the fifth and sixth rounds, especially uh, third and fourth have been kind of hit or miss, you know, like some of your third rounders or, you know, your, your, uh, your Trey sermons, um, you know, your, uh, your, uh, <laughs> your Jalen Hurds, you know, maybe you're like your bus, but then, Hey, maybe your third round pick is Fred Warner. You know, who knows our third round picks, they could either be hall of famers or never see the field. Who knows? Uh, same with the fourth round. I feel like our fourth round picks are very hit or miss. It's either, you know, you get a running back in the fourth round that never plays a single snap in the NFL. Um, or you draft a rookie offensive lineman that starts the entire season at right guard in Spencer Burford. So who knows? I feel like third, fourth round, they've very, they've been very hit or miss. Uh, fifth round, I feel like is the money round. I feel like every fifth round pick that we have is going to be like an all pro, you know, you have your, your George Kittles, your Talanoa Hafangas, you know, like we are money in the fifth round. So it's, it's nice that we have three fifth round picks. I will take that. But anyways, so you've got essentially back to back to back picks and I don't know exactly how they're going to do it. They'll figure it out, but let's just call it 99, hundred, 101. So back to back to back. Um, you got some options there. Then we don't have anything in the fourth round. And then we have a bunch of picks in the fifth round. We've got, uh, three fifth round picks. They're separated by about 10 picks each. Uh, this one says that we have 157, 166 and 173. So again, you know, day three is going to be busy. Once we get, we get the end of day two where we get to watch some fun stuff, and then once we get done with the fourth round, it's going to be busy for the 49ers with three fifth rounders. Uh, we have a sixth rounder at 216, so a late sixth. And then we've got three more in the seventh at uh, 224, 249, and 255. Uh, 255 is guaranteed going to be the next Brock Purdy. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of what we're looking at is we are looking at uh, – a whole bunch of, we're looking at clusters, essentially. You're looking at a cluster around pick 100. You're looking at a cluster around pick 160, where you've got three kind of right around there. And then you've got a whole bunch of them in the uh, 216 to 250 range. So we're basically kind of looking at those as our three cluster spots where we have a bunch of picks. Again, are they going to stay in the same spot or are they going to bounce around and trade? Who the hell knows? Only Shanahan and Lynch know, and they probably won't even know until draft day when it's actually happening. 
Um, but either way, that's what we're working with. Now, as far as draft needs, um, draft needs are tricky and there's different kind of philosophies in terms of how you approach the draft. Do you draft for need or you draft for best player available? Um, do you draft for best player available or you do, do you draft for positional value? Uh, do you draft for developmental prospect with physical traits and upside, or do you get the draft prospects who have a lot of experience, but maybe don't have the high end physical traits? These are a lot of the questions that we're going to be having to ask ourselves, uh, when it comes to scouting. And these are also the questions that the Niners are going to be asking when they look at the draft board. On uh, in terms of you know putting together their draft board and who they end up making the picks, because realistically, when we're picking at pick 100, we're not getting the highest, like the the highest level possible draft prospects. I mean, like that's straight up. Like you're not picking till 100. 100 teams get whatever they want before you're up, which means realistically, you're probably not getting the best possible draft prospects as options. That's just kind of how it is. So what are the trade-offs? You know, you're not going to be getting, you know, the, the guys who have a high level production at a high level of play that have done it consistently with no injury history, no red flags, no nothing like the perfect first round top five prospects. You're not getting that at pick 100 or 150 or 200. But that doesn't mean that we can't swing. Now, I will say it's been very tricky trying to figure out what Shanahan and Lynch like in terms of building the team. Um, I feel like every year they throw us curveballs. They draft guys that I didn't see coming. And uh, I kind of want to try and wrap my head around it a little bit because this is going to how I'm going to try and scout. Um, I don't know how much I can say, but I do know that I'm going to be doing some work with John Chapman on his draft guide. Um, so last year I did a bunch of scouting. I sent over like 10 pages of notes or whatever. And John Chapman was cool enough to include a lot of those notes in his draft guide. Uh, so I feel pretty cool about that. It was, a uh, just really cool to have that kind of recognition of, Hey, holy shit, my notes ended up in a draft guide. So I'm going to be probably working with him a little bit more. Um, but just trying to wrap my head around what do the Niners like? What are they looking for? What's a scheme fit, etc. And sometimes a lot of the times it doesn't really make sense because it doesn't necessarily fit. So, um, guys that just like didn't make any sense and some of them worked out and some of them didn't. So I'll give you a couple examples. Um, one guy that really didn't make sense to me was Trey Sermon because the way that I was thinking about it is Shanahan runs an outside zone running scheme. He typically gets a lot of late round draft picks with uh, high level athleticism uh, like speed, you know, your Matt Breedas, your, um, uh, your Raheem Mostert's, he gets those kind of guys. And because they have so much speed and they can one cut, they can basically run the outside zone, one cut through a hole, and then you have an explosive run play waiting to happen. 
That was not Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon was very much an in-between-the-tackles, inside-zone um, type of runner. He was more of a vision and balance guy. He was more of a contact balance guy. He would break tackles. He would wiggle um, through, and he would weave through guys, and he would stiff-arm guys, and he was kind of elusive, but in, in between the tackles, and he ran like a 4-6. So that, to me, didn't really make sense. That ended up not working out. I can see why it didn't work out because I think that I'm guessing that somewhere the coaching didn't quite match up, which is why he had so little success because I still think Trey Sermon's a talented runner, but I think ultimately just wasn't a scheme fit. And I think Shanahan may have been out thinking himself. Um, another one that we can think very similar. Obviously we do not know how it's going to turn out, but Ty Davis price TDP is a very similar situation where, Hey, you know, I'm probably thinking about, you know, a fast outside zone, one cut explosive runner. This guy's very much, you know, like a thick powerful downhill between the tackles, uh, inside zone runner who, uh, basically just like, you know, runs forward and drags guys for extra yardage when they make contact. And the, this, it didn't really make sense unless Shanahan is saying, hey, we are going to be adjusting our scheme in terms of how we play offense. And I don't really believe that Shanahan wants to change his offense so much that he is going to move away from an outside zone run game to an inside zone run game, uh, especially if you're not going to have big, powerful offensive lineman up front who can just push forward. Which brings me to my next one, Aaron Banks. Aaron Banks was somebody who I didn't even think about scouting. I remember seeing him on a PFF, PFF draft guide, and they were like, yeah, you know, the general thing that they wrote was, hey, fourth round guy, he looks solid. He's a big, thick, plodding guard. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound like a wide zone nimble guard that Shanahan likes. So I didn't even take a second look at him. Um, they ended up drafting him in the second round. That was really surprising. Um, he didn't play at all his, his rookie year. Red-shirted, essentially. Uh, sat behind Lakin Tomlinson. But what he did and what I didn't necessarily catch was... I could understand it from the sense of you're getting a guy that's a good pass blocker. That's a, a wide body. He's hard to get around and he's very intelligent, you know, going to Notre Dame. You don't just get into Notre Dame on football. Like you still need to pass and Notre Dame is a hard school to get into and pass by all accounts. He was a good pass blocker. And very intelligent. And you know what? If you have that and you have the work ethic, then you can kind of remake your body, which he did. You can get a little more athletic, lose some weight, and you can learn the scheme and go figure year two steps in starting left guard played very well all season. Was he perfect? No, but he was a quality starting left guard for the whole season. So that was one that didn't make sense, but it did turn out. 
and I kind of see where they go for. What what I'm noticing trend-wise here is that uh, they they always seem to go for high character guys and uh, guys who are good academically. That is one thing that the Niners typically always go for. Um, I know Chapman has definitely brought this up quite a few times that um, the Niners don't typically go for guys who have character concerns. I think that they learned their lesson with Reuben Foster and you can definitely have like violent, angry guys on the field, but he's looking for, they're looking for high character guys uh, off the field who do well academically. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a 4.0 student. It doesn't mean necessarily mean that you're getting a master's in chemistry or something like that. But it means that you're putting forth the effort and you're willing to learn and take it seriously. Uh, whereas other people who maybe don't make good decisions in life and not going to prejudge here. I made plenty of very dumb decisions in my life. Uh, I would like to think now at 33, I make less dumb decisions, but I made a lot of dumb decisions in my late teens and early twenties. So I'm not going to, you know, try and say I'm holier than thou. Um, cause I'm sure that I would get in a lot of trouble. I'm sure. And I'm, Glad Twitter wasn't around or I didn't use it back then. But point being is that they're looking for high character guys and they're looking for guys who have good academic records. Um, other guys that kind of surprised me. Um, I would say that Talanoa Hafunga surprised me. Talanoa Hafunga was a guy that surprised me because, uh, again, you know, I look at different draft guides. Um, and a lot of the times I'll look at a draft guide just to get like a general kind of overview. Hey, you know, what are other people saying about this guy based on what they're saying? Does that seem like somebody who would fit into this system? And I remember looking at a draft guide and basically what they said about Hafunga was um, too slow to be a safety because he ran like a four, six or a four, seven or whatever. Um, a lot of injuries in terms of, uh, I think he had uh, two or three broken collarbones. Not the best tackler, but not big enough to be a linebacker. And I was like, well, you've got a guy who's not fast enough to be a safety, who's not big enough to be a linebacker, who's breaking his collarbones. It's a bad tackler. I don't think that's a good fit. What I didn't see was that this guy was... He was, I didn't watch the film and what the film showed was a guy who played with his hair on fire and the Niners again are looking for character guys that love football. They gave Afanga the golden helmet um, in terms of a prospect, which they don't do to very many players. I think that year was like Trey Lance Afanga. And then I think like this last year, I don't think that we drafted a single gold helmet guy. But the thing with Hafunga was, okay, yeah, he wasn't the fastest and he had some injury concerns and he wasn't the best tackler, but dude, this guy is instinctual. He is aggressive. He plays harder than anybody else on the field. Um, he was, uh, I think he was like an all pack 12 uh, like player. Uh, so those were the things that I missed. And again, you know, the kind of things you're looking for character, effort, mo motor, like passion for the game, um, intelligence, play level, 
um, scheme fit. It wasn't something that I thought of because physically it didn't make sense. But hey, box safety. He's a box safety. That's what he's best at. Great at blitzing. Uh, you know, like that's kind of what you're looking for. And in that sense, like now looking back, okay, that makes more sense now. Do you get what I'm saying? So like I'm trying to kind of see like, hey, you know, what makes sense? What doesn't? Um, last year, uh, Drake Jackson threw me off a little bit. Um, but I think that was because I was misunderstanding how the Niners like to, how the Niners like their defensive line. I thought that what the Niners wanted was super, super fast, explosive, wide nine, pass rushers to where you could even get like undersized guys in there, you know, like a, almost like a three, four outside linebacker where it's like uh, in terms of like size and it's like a stand up, a stand up rusher. That's more of a blitzer than a pass rusher. And what kind of occurred to me is that, you know, when they got Drake Jackson, they were like, no, cause he's actually like more of a bigger guy. He's, you know, 6'4", 6'5", 260, 270. And while he was playing out of position a lot of the ways, they were looking at him as, hey, we, we're we going to get you to be a bendy, big edge rusher. You know, at, at 6'4", 270, you've got flexibility. And I think that we're looking for slightly bigger edges and if that makes sense. Um, and then like interior defensive linemen, like we, I've sometimes thought about like, Hey, you know, we really need a nose tackle, but because we don't run a three, four, we're not necessarily looking for like, you know, those 330 pound bowling ball, double gap stuffers. You know, they're a lot more likely to pick up a guy like a DJ Jones type. Who's, you know, six, two, 300 short and squatty and like thick, but not really the necessarily like 330. They're looking for guys who have a little bit more side to side uh, kind of athleticism and quickness and foot quickness at defensive tackle than they are just looking for a plugger, if that makes sense. Now, again, I could be wrong, but this is just some of the trends that I've kind of tried to pick up and notice. Uh, corner is a tricky one. Corner, you could go either way. You could say a Kella Witherspoon. Um, I will say it seems like their third round picks, they go developmental and then the rest they go with experience. So like third round picks, a Kella Witherspoon. Well, you've got a guy with high athleticism, great feet, um, but inconsistent technique and inconsistent play. Uh, he was just never quite able to fully put it together, even though his physical ability was incredible. Third round pick. Again, you're looking at like developmental traitsy upside kind of third round corner. Same thing with uh, Ambry Thomas. You know, you've got a guy who runs a sub 4-4. Four, four. He's, you know, got 30, uh, like a really big wingspan. He can play press man. Didn't have the most college experience because of COVID and everything. But, you know, you're betting on the traits. You're betting up the betting on the upside. You're betting on the development that you can take this guy with 33 inch long arms that runs a sub four, four that played well in a press man system for one year. And you can coach him and develop him into a quality starting corner. 
And I remember that draft pick and I was like, oh, dude, I love this draft pick because it makes perfect sense. You've got a developmental late round third pick that, you know, has athletic upside and you can develop him into a potentially starting corner. Has it worked out yet? I don't know. I mean, it seems like he didn't play it all his rookie year. And then, and then last year he played pretty well the second half of the season when he had to step in due to injuries. And then this year he didn't really play at all just because he was beat out by other guys and injured, you know? And even though he was a third round pick, uh, Mosley played over him. Uh, Demo Lenore played over him. Um, shit, even, uh, even Sammy Womack, our fifth round rookie played over him. So, you know, like I'm still kind of in the air. Who knows? Maybe he develops, comes back from injuries and he's really good next year. Uh, but right now, I mean, realistically, like does Ambry Thomas make the team? I don't know, but I understood the kind of philosophy and that was that kind of, uh, that was that kind of draft trade that they were taking is, Hey, this one, this one, we're going to bet on upside and traits and bet on our development and our coaching. But then you go to the fifth round and you look at Demo Lenore and, hey, you know, he doesn't have the highest athletic upside, but, and he's, you know, he's, he's only 5'10". He runs about a 4'5". So, you know, he's not the tallest guy, not the longest guy. He doesn't run the fastest 40. But you know what? Uh, Diamador Lenore did do is he played a lot of football and he was scrappy. Like he had that like Hafonga in him, you know, he's, he's the hyena. He's, he's got that, like he's got the feistiness, like the aggressiveness, like he's a good tackler. He's willing to get in there. He likes to get dirty. Like he might not have the athletic upside, but here's a guy where, you know, he's only 5'10". He only runs a 4'5", but he can tackle. He played a lot of football, and he loves it, and he doesn't mind getting dirty. And, you know, that's that's the kind of trade-off you make in the fifth round. There you've got another fifth-round gem. So you're, you're kind of seeing, like, hey, you know, what makes sense, what doesn't. And these are the kind of trade-offs that we're going to be looking for in these third, fourth, fifth, sixth-round prospects, you know, like – is this a traits the upside guy or is this an experienced guy? Is this a like high motor effort guy or is this, you know, somebody that you think, you know, has something else? So these are the questions that we're going to ask. Um, so you never really know, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to use some examples to see like how I can kind of shape this safety. I have no idea what the Niners want in safety. You know, Hafunga made sense, but then you've also got, um, who was I just talking about? Tarverius Moore, where it's like, hey, like super high-end upside that ends up just being a special teamer with a third-round pick. Um, you know, our other safety, we had uh, Adrian Colbert, who was a converted corner that we ended up playing at free safety for a year. Um, so, you know, like, I, I don't know what they want in a safety, like, do they want, do they want a, Jer a Derwin James or do they want a Jimmy Ward? You know, like, do they, do they want a Hafunga or do they want, do they want a rangy free safety? Do they want a too high safety? Do they want a blitzing safety? Do they want a hybrid guy? Do they want one who can just kind of do a little bit of everything? Are they looking to convert a corner? Are they looking for a safety that's, I, I really, safety is a little bit tricky 
you can kind of see what we're looking at. Um, another one is offensive linemen. Um, I've noticed that they tend to get a lot of undersized offensive tackles and kick them into guards. So they get undersized athletic tackles and they'll kick them into guard. Um, you know, that's kind of what we did with Jalen Moore. That's what we did with Colton McKivitz. That's what we did with um, uh, Spencer Burford. So that seems to be something they do. I don't know what they do at tackle. Um, it seems like with tackle, if they want to get a tackle for tackle's sake, it does seem like they go with size. You know, they uh, they drafted Justin School. He was a bigger guy. I think he was uh, like 6'7", 320, uh, or 6'6", 320. So you're talking a bigger offensive tackle. Uh, they drafted Mike McGlinchey. He's fucking huge. He's, you know, 6'8", 3'10", or whatever. Um, but you're still, uh, you know, like, what, what does that mean? Um, they drafted Nick Zakel, who's a tackle. But, hey, you know, he's probably going to play center. So... Um, I think that what you're going to find when it comes to offensive linemen, I'm not sure what they're going to do about center because the team really values center, but I think it would make sense to draft for center. Um, I think the key word for us offensive line is versatility. It seems like they want guys who can play multiple positions. You know, are you athletic enough? Do you have quick enough feet that you can, they're not necessarily looking for powerful guys who are going to anchor because that's not the 49ers thing is, hey, anchor, drop back, pass 50 times a game. That's not their thing. What they're looking for is they're looking for athletic, quick guys at pretty much every position. Again, Trent Williams is 6'5", 330, but motherfucker sprints. And smashes dudes like 15 yards downfield. Like Trent Williams is fast. He's big. He's powerful. He can anchor, but he's fast. Mike McGlinchey doesn't necessarily have the best, best anchor, but he can get out and move and hit guys downfield and run blocking. You know, when you have maybe a slightly undersized tackle that's athletic, you kick him into guard. That way, when you get that outside wide zone going, they're able to get their quickness to seal off those blocks. Um, I don't think that we're necessarily going to be looking at anybody who has slow or plodding feet anywhere on the offensive line. Um, just I don't think that's part of the scheme. I think uh, Aaron Banks was the anomaly. And even Aaron Banks, um, you know, it, it, they they took a whole year where they were like, hey, you're, you're sitting on the bench for a whole year and you're going to remake your body uh, to get quicker uh, to move in the system that we run. So... That's kind of my thought on that is that uh, I think that what we're looking for in terms of offensive line, if you're looking at tackle, I think that they do looks, if they're looking for just a tackle, they're looking for a tackle frame. Um, if they're looking for an offensive lineman, they're looking for versatility, but they're probably looking at maybe an offensive tackle who's got athleticism that's not quite full size and they can kick him into guard or center. So I think that's kind of what we're getting at. And, you know, they're typically, they want pass blocking, but what's more important is athleticism, foot quickness, and run blocking. Um, they don't necessarily need to have the best anchor, but you need to have enough push to win on a run block and seal. So that's kind of my offensive line thoughts. Running backs, I have no idea. 
I feel like the best running backs we have are the late round undrafted fast guys, but for some reason Shanahan always drafts a third rounder. I wouldn't even mind if they drafted a third round draft pick if it made fucking sense, you know? Like, don't get a freaking slow plotting inside zone running back when you run an outside zone speed running back scheme. Um, anyways, though, and personally, I am team draft a running back every year. I think that every year it makes sense to draft a running back, but I don't think you should draft a running back until the fifth round. Um, I Again, this is just personal opinion, um, but, you know, running backs, they get hurt, and I think scheme and fit and blocking – is more important than the running back themselves. Obviously, when you're looking at running backs, one of the things that I really look for is uh, yards after contact per carry. I think that's a huge number because that is what the running back is getting on their own after they're breaking tackles after initial contact. Because if your offensive line is getting five yards a push and you're averaging five yards a carry, that's not that impressive. If your offensive line is getting negative one yard on every play, but you're gaining four yards, that's five yards after contact per play that running back is generating on their own. Um, So ideally, you're looking for a running back that generates on their own that fits the scheme. Um, But you don't need to spend a high draft pick. Uh, That's just my kind of philosophy on drafting running backs is... um, you know, you uh, you get one that fits your scheme and you do it every year late in the draft. Once the fifth round hits, that's when I am all for like draft one running back a year. So and I'll, I'll continue to pound that because there's not many running backs that are actually worth spending a high draft pick on. They get injured. They're part of the rotation. And typically, again, the scheme in the offensive line and just in terms of value, like how, how much are you paying a high-end running back versus other positions in terms of what you're getting? Whew. All right, I'm trying to get through this um, in terms of just all the different positions. Um, and we'll get into this more in detail in terms of how I'm scouting. I'm just more trying to think of like how they scout so I can see what we're going to look for. Um, so that's kind of my general thoughts. Uh, wide receivers... I think that when Shanahan is looking at receivers, one of the trends that I've noticed is that he looks for guys that generate yards after catch. Um, You know, whether that's Kittle getting yards after catch, Debo's great yards after catch. Brandon Ayuk, if I remember correctly, uh, was one of the top receivers in his draft class for yards after catch. Um, Jawan Jennings uh, was very high in terms of yards after catch and breaking tackles. So even though they're all very different types of like bodies, you've got Debo who's built like a running back. He's powerful. He runs over guys. Uh, You've got Ayuk who's more of a kind of traditional style receiver. He's just got amazing body control and he can make incredible cuts and just get wide open. And then you've got Juwan Jennings who's, you know, big and tall and slow. Um, But one way that they all do win is yards after catch. And I think Shanahan's philosophy is, hey, you know, I can scheme guys open. Like all day, every day, I can scheme a guy open. I don't necessarily need you to win one-on-one versus your guy. You know, maybe we need one guy like that, like Ayuk, who's like, hey, one-on-one, I will win. 
Um, but what he does say is, hey, I'll get you the ball. What can you do with the ball once I get it to you? So that's where you get your Debo's breaking tackles, yards after catch, Ayuk, uh, just like gliding through guys and breaking tackles. Juwan Jennings, like winning, you know, winning at the catch point and just like breaking tackles and yards after catch. Kittle getting wide open, getting yards after catch. I think that's one of the kind of trends that Shanahan looks for in receivers. Uh, I'm trying to think about receivers that didn't work out. Obviously, Jalen Hurts, but that was more of a, or Jalen Hurd, uh, but that was more of an injury thing. Um, but again, I could, I could understand that when you look at it from that perspective. Hey, big physical guy that can get yards after catch. Like, it makes sense. Uh, he had bad injury luck, um, but like that, seems to be the trend for Shanahan with wide receivers. Hey, I'll scheme you open. It's up to you to get extra. I want to know how much extra you're going to get. So that's kind of one of the stats that we'll want to look at. One of the things we'll look at is, hey, what do you do after the catch? Uh, Tight ends. Uh, Number one thing is blocking. And I really don't know how Shanahan looks at tight ends other than it looks like he looks for guys who are at least good in the blocking game. And then if you can get bonus athleticism for yards after catch, then that's kind of what you're looking for. So he wants guys that can play in line, meaning we don't want a tight end. That's really just a slot receiver. He wants in line tight ends. So a tight end that can run block in line tight end, which means you're going to need to have that strength uh, or develop the strength. And then after that, I think you're just looking for some athletic traits to get yards after catch. Because again, you know, you're going to block, block, block. And then one of these plays, you'll be wide open, 15 yards upfield. I'll give you the ball. What do you do with it after I get you the ball? Um, So yeah, that's kind of my thought process in terms of what we're looking for. I don't know how much that helps. We didn't really talk about linebackers, but I think, again, what you're looking for is athleticism, intelligence, and just playing with your hair on fire. Uh, Fred Warner, athleticism, range, intelligence, brings the passion. Dre Greenlaw, you know, former safety, really fast, uh, just downhill, likes to sideline to sideline and downhill. Um I wouldn't be surprised if they converted a safety to a linebacker. That seems to be another one of the things is they get uh, guys who play maybe a big safety. You know, maybe they're maybe they're like, you know, 6'2", 230, and they play safety. Okay, well, you're a linebacker, um, and you're typically looking for coverage skills. So they look for coverage linebackers since they're playing off ball, and they have a damn good linebacker coach. And a couple damn good linebackers that can teach him as well. Um, But again, I think that uh, they've shown a trend with linebackers that they're looking for range, athleticism, and uh, coverage skills. Um, Tackling matters, but I don't think they're always necessarily looking for the best tacklers. I could be wrong, but it seems to me like they're almost looking for former box safeties with coverage skills and range um, to play off ball linebacker. Um, So yeah, anyways, uh, what do we pick and when? I have no idea. (laughs) I don't even know if any of that is right. Um, But that's just kind of my thoughts in terms of initial thoughts uh, for the draft. 
And, uh, you know, again, we might move up, we might move down. I think realistically, the number one thing that we're going to be looking for is just, uh, the trenches, the lines. Um, I would not be surprised if, uh, two of our, uh, third round comp picks were offensive and defensive line. That would not surprise me at all. Um, what would be surprise me is another running back. Please Shanahan, do not waste one of our top picks on a running back. We have bigger needs. <laughs> we need a safety, um, you know, pending free agency. We might need another corner, um, you know, pending free agency. Uh, we might need a developmental center or a developmental right tackle. You know, who knows? We'll, we'll get a better idea about needs uh, after free agency, but... What are we probably looking at? I think you're looking at defensive line. That's a big need, you know, defensive tackle, defensive end. I look, I think you're for defensive tackle. You're look, you've got a lot of those kind of like uh, twitchy undersized three techs. I look, I think you're looking for a bigger defensive tackle. So again, bigger for them, meaning, you know, six, two, six, three, 300, 310 pounds, kind of that range. Um, I think you're looking for another defensive end uh, for rotation, uh, defensive end. I think you're looking at a guy that's, you know, I would say six, three to six, six, uh, 260 ish pounds. I don't think that you're going to be getting a guy that's under 250. Uh, I think they're probably looking at a guy that's in the mid two sixties because they do have a traditional base for down defensive lineman for, uh, you know, uh, Four three defensive end, not a three four D end or outside linebacker. So I think you're looking for a traditional four three defensive end. You know, literally like you're looking for somebody about Bosa. You know, six four two sixty five. Another one of those. I think that's what you're looking for a defensive end, uh, a guy who can set an edge and has some pass rush. Um, I don't think you're necessarily looking for the twitchiest speed rusher. Um, maybe as a rotational guy, but again, that you're probably looking for more of a traditional four three defensive end, like a Bosa. You're just, you're not going to get a Bosa, but you kind of know what I mean. That, that kind of mold, uh, again, linebacker, you're looking for uh, a rangy, you know, six, two, two thirty former safety rangy coverage guy, um, who plays hard downhill, um, Safety, no idea. I think that I would lean towards either a hybrid safety or a free safety. If you're going to be playing more single high and Hafunga is going to be in the box, I think you want more of a rangy free safety uh, as kind of like, you know, a last resort kind of guy. Typically hard to have one of those that uh, plays as a rookie um, just because they can, you know, you make a mistake as the, as the last, um, as the deep, uh, the deepest safety and you know, it's, it's not good. Um, so I don't think we're going to have a rookie free safety unless a, a baller falls into our laps. You might be looking for a corner, maybe an outside corner, maybe a slot corner. Um, I think we've got decent depth there, uh, especially if Mosley comes back and yeah, an offense again, you know, center right tackle. I think you're looking for a tight end too. Um, I think you're looking for another wide receiver and, uh, yeah, I think those are probably the, the biggest needs, but anyways, I'm going to get out of here. I am uh, approaching two hours. Um, 
so yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'll be back again. The, the off season, like I said, I think it's a little bit more my thing. I can talk about draft. I don't have to worry about the time frame of, you know, work and not recovering and everything from the game and covering everything and not covering enough and not having enough info or having too much info or missing some stuff. So I think I'll be probably be putting out a bit more. So appreciate y'all for listening, like comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your family, tell your enemies. And uh, as always go Niners. We'll